This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. A New Year's Eve edition of Madden Monday. Tim Benz and Mark Madden with you. We figured this is the best way. Instant reaction like we did last week after the previous Steelers victory against the Bengals. They do it again against Seattle. Out in Seattle for the first time since 1983. And they keep their playoff hopes alive as a result. Mark was also at the Penguins game. A victory for them uh, at home against the Islanders. They've gotten hot. Mark, you wrote about it, and I agree. It was a pretty crappy year overall in 2023 for Pittsburgh sports. But at least here in the last couple of weeks, it's finished strong for the Penguins and Steelers. Yeah, I wrote a column for the trip that, that went over the best of 2023 for Pittsburgh sports, but there wasn't any. I said you'd have to, I guess, give it to Pitt Volleyball, the women's volleyball team, because they made the NCAA Final Four, but I can't name one player on their team, and I, I doubt you or anybody listening can either. It was a, a miserable 2023, but yeah, the Penguins have rallied to win seven out of nine now. Uh, seven, one, and one. The loser point mixed in there as well. And the Steelers now have a shot to make the playoffs, but with the Steelers, my main thing is instead of looking at how they've rallied and certainly wallowing in the glory of the resurrection of Mason Rudolph, which I'm sure we're going to talk about ad nauseum during this podcast. I just look at them losing consecutive home games to Arizona and New England when each came into the game with two wins. And how's that happen? And even as we canonize Mike Tomlin for having yet another uh, winning season and never having had a losing season, this is now 17 years in a row, we act like he wasn't coached for those two games. And like he's not responsible for waiting almost two years to finally play who has turned out to be the best quarterback on his roster since Ben retired. It, it, it's just it, uh, it's this contradictory type thing, but we ignore the bad and embrace the good, but, but maybe not as much as we used to. And I want to see what the reaction is if they do miss the playoffs, even if they do finish 10 and 7. Good point, because that very much could still happen. Let's not forget that. I'm not even ruling out the prospect of them losing in Baltimore to the backups. We saw that happen in 2019. Oh, no, I, I think they, if you made me pick right now, I think they probably will lose to Baltimore because that's the only way the story makes sense now. <laughs> and, uh, and I am not sure they're going to play just their backups, Tim. I mean, that's a slippery slope when you get the bye and rest everybody and then those guys ain't played no football for two full weeks, and they've got to come in cold to play a good opponent in the divisional round. So I don't know what I'd do if I were John Harbaugh. I'd definitely sit Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't take a chance with him. But in terms of the other guys, I might play a lot of them, at least for a while. To get back to your previous point, Mark, for me, it would underscore, and by it I mean if they were to win, be 10-7 and seven and not get into the playoffs anyway, it would underscore to me how empty this whole 
never had a losing season thing has been for the last seven years. I mean, the breadth of it for a 17-year career, yeah, I'll tip my cap. 20 years for the franchise, yeah, I'll tip my cap. But of late, what has that amounted to, especially when in the 20 years since 2004, when this whole thing started for the Steelers, we have gotten even deeper into the NFL parody paradox that was set up by Pete Rozelle and Paul Tagliabue and now Roger Goodell. This is a league where everybody is designed to be a 7-8 win team. Like Literally, coming into today, 14 of 32 teams were 7-8 or eight win teams. Last year, out of 32, 16, half the league were between 7 and 9. It's not that great of an accomplishment. I'm sorry. You get stuck there. You finish middle draft in the stay middle. And, and, Kim, I don't tip my hat at all. I don't care about Coach Dormat's 17 straight losing seasons. I, I just don't care. Uh, excuse me, 17 straight non-losing seasons. I'm just not impressed. Uh, if for 13 years they've done virtually nothing in the playoffs, just three total playoff wins, all against bad quarterbacks, their last three playoff losses, they've allowed 40 points uh, in each of those games. It's just not anything to be proud of. I, I just don't care what Rich Eisen says. It, it's it's the most meaningless of records. And um, it, it only illuminates that, that, that Tomlin won a Super Bowl with somebody else's players, leaders, culture, and assistant coaches. And the further we get away from that, the more that's obvious. Yeah, I think 10-7. and seven which in just about any year in a league like we pointed out where nine wins should be good enough to get you into the playoffs, being 10-7 and seven and not qualifying, which is still a prospect, because you lost to two two-win teams at home in the span of five days, that is just, uh, to me, shining a light on where they've been over the course of uh, basically the last seven years since they went 13-3 and three in 2017. No, no, no question. Um... Eleven and zero starting, and I I took no uh, no meaning in that, even if it was happening, because it was such fool's gold. Uh, it's it just it's not a great football organization anymore. And and Tim, it's always something too. Like you say, if they go ten and seven and miss the playoffs, well, that would normally make the playoffs. Tim, one of these years they're going to go thirteen and four and not make the playoffs. <laughs> Whatever they got to do to barely miss the playoffs, the Steelers are very good at. Well, let's look at that overall picture, Mark. It now comes down to them, as we talked about, beating whoever Baltimore puts out there. And then the two most likely paths are they would need assistance from the Dolphins beating the Bills, or they would need assistance from the Titans upsetting Jacksonville or tying Jacksonville. That's what it would take. And there's some Titan, of the- Titan, Titan, Titans ain't going to upset Jacksonville. Titans have nothing to play for. They're like, what, a five-win team so far? And in terms, I mean... What's Miami have to play for exactly? Buffalo right now is 10 wins. I believe if Buffalo wins that, they win the East, and then Miami is a wild card. Okay, so those teams both have something to play for. I believe so, yes. Well, and Tim, here's the other thing. Let's say they make it, they're going to get drilled in the first round, like always. Right. Uh, I guess there's some scenario where they could still be the six, believe it or not, but they're probably going to be the seven, and the seven would then result in probably going to Miami or going to Buffalo. Uh, that's, I, I think, the most likely outcome. Yeah, so that's, a, I mean, boy, what if Buffalo, I mean, like, I've said for the last month or so that if Buffalo makes the playoffs, they'll make the Super Bowl. 
What if they don't make it and the Steelers do? <laughs> that would be unbelievable, especially based on... But let me tell you something. If Buffalo played the Steelers in a best of 51 series, the Bills might win in 26 straight. <laughs> Mark Madden with us. This is a Madden Monday. Uh, Mark, let's get back to the game itself against Seattle and the job that Mason Rudolph did. You said we talk about it. I thought the most obvious personification of why he's the better guy for them right now as opposed to Pickett was that great throw he made to George Pickens where he stood in the pocket and the pocket was collapsing around him 33 yards in the fourth quarter. Uh, That, to me, was something special. Tim, he's not just the best quarterback now. He's the best quarterback. Okay? Um, he, He should, based on these two games, which are better than any two games Kenny Pickett has ever played in the National Football League, they should go to camp next year with that job legitimately. Not like last year, it was a big lie. Legitimately up for grabs, the best guy at camp and in the preseason gets it. Because Kenny Pickett's shown us silch. And Mason Rudolph, like I said, two games better than Pickett's ever played in the league. If nothing else, he's getting the most out of George Pickens, and that's huge. Yeah, although I still would have had him inactive against Cincinnati, but, you know, okay, Sarah, Sarah. I... I just think that what's happened with the quarterback position is a real uh, critique of how Tomlin's handled the quarterback position. Tim, every time the quarterback has had to be somebody, besides Hall of Fame Ben Roethlisberger, he's mangled it. Even go back to 2019, where he got caught up in the narrative of Duck, kept him in even when Mason got healthy, and it cost the Steelers a playoff for Mike Tomlin is a defensive-minded coach who has no idea what to do offensively. Got to give a lot of credit today to the running backs, too, Mark. They were out of sight. They were really good. I mean, like, Najee Harris had 122 yards. 118 of them were after contact. That's insane. Yeah, and Jalen Warren, you know, he's a tough little guy. He, he ran as physical as Najee did. He had a stiff arm where he carried the guy five yards. You know, so, yeah, them two guys were good. The run block is really good. Broderick Jones, he still has some work to do on the pass block, but he's great on the run block. Although, Tim, there's another thing with with coaching malpractice. He needs to be at left tackle next year, period. That's his position. That's what he was drafted to do. He's a tackle of pedigree. We have to stop giving a frig about Dan Moore and his hard work. I mean, I think it's amazing, Tim. The more this coach has non-losing seasons, the more I'm convinced he's absolutely incompetent and needs to go. He should definitely be on that side. I'm interested to see what they do with the tackles in the offseason for sure, but that should be his job. And then they figure out right tackle between the other two or whoever else they bring in. On defense, Mark, I thought a real sore spot for me as the game was going along into the third quarter was, you know, the pass rush was around Geno Smith a bunch, but T.J. Watt and company never got him down. It came down to Nick Herbig making the play of the game with that strip sack of Smith in the fourth quarter. So it mean, or is T.J. Watt slowed down a little bit down, down the season's end? I think so. I mean, he keeps getting sacked, so the stats look better, but there have been multiple games in the second half of the year where we've thought they've had a huge advantage over a beaten-up, tattered offensive line, and, and frankly, the pass rush hasn't determined the outcome of the game as often as we thought it would. Well, I think Wayne's slowed down some down the stretch. I think Alex Highsmith has been inconsistent all year. Although I thought he played good against Cincinnati. 
And, and Tim, people don't want to listen to me when I say this because I'm just always wrong, according to a lot of people. Sacks in the pass rush don't mean that much. I mean, you want pressure and the benefit that, that you reap from that. But the actual sacks, unless, and I've said this on this podcast, you know, a, a bunch of times, so you know me. Unless you get a sack on third down, it doesn't mean that much. It's too easy to get yards back in the high octane NFL. So, like, as much as I guess you had to pay Watt what they gave him, he doesn't impact winning as much as the money dictates he should. Am I fair to say that? Yeah, and I think that was illuminated until Herbig did what he did today, you know, and um, obviously he gets held a ton. There were a ton of flags that were available to be thrown that weren't thrown. You know, I, I know that he attracts a lot of attention and people try to uh, offset what he doesn't do statistically with that on certain weeks, but I, I do see where you're coming from, yes. Yeah, and I'm not being critical. I, I just think the sack is overrated in football. Sorry, but I, I think that unless it's on third down, unless you get the ball on the ground, and, and what does this year all that a lot? You, you see what I'm coming from, right? Yeah, I think it was a collective that slowed down the Seahawks. You know, and Metcalf dropped a touchdown. That came into play, too. You know, I, I was thinking to myself, my God, are they really going to try to win a shootout with Seattle? How are they going to do that? And they only walked oh, away. But, they, but they, they had to try that, Tim. That was their only chance. And I give the game plan credit, or maybe Rudolph credit, for, for realizing and executing. Because Seattle's defense ain't no good, and their offense was going to score points. Mark Madden with us. Madden Monday podcast on New Year's Eve. All right, Mark, let's get to the Penguins. What would you think of what you saw tonight? Well, Tim, over- one, last, one, last, one last thing about the Steelers before I forget. Okay. Do we know Joey Porter left the game, correct? Uh, he came back, though. Oh, he did? Because, boy, if they lose him, I don't care who they're paying next week. You know, like how many regulars the Baltimore ones have out there. But, boy, he they finally have a top-level cornerback. He really is that, isn't he? He is. Uh, I saw the next-gen numbers that were uh, put out by the NFL, and they weren't as good as they were against Higgins. Uh, Metcalf at 86 yards in one-on-one situations against Porter. That's the most that we've seen from any wide receiver against Porter. But still, um, you know, DK Metcalf can do that against anybody. You know, like that's uh, that's not as indicting as it might look against Joey Porter, especially as a rookie. Yeah, and he's going to get better. I don't see him declining. I see him better and better. So, I mean, that that's one thing they've done good is the way they've I mean, I would have had him in sooner, but it's worked out pretty well. But I want to emphasize again before we go to Penguins. Broderick Jones has to play left tackle. Nobody cares how hard Dan Moore works. And that little, little, you know, like dance around, you know, not wanting to, you know, keep rewarding Dan Moore for his effort because he grades out crappy. We know that most weeks. It's just indicative of how they mangle things, Tim. It's the same as they had to switch Kevin Dotson from where he was good at to where he was bad at, and then wondered why he was bad at it. All right, let's get to Penguins, Mark. What would you think of what you saw at PPG Paints Arena? Uh, They're playing very, I don't want to say physical, but they're playing physical enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're not, not, you know, they're not like going out there in in demolition derby style and pulling people over, but they're, they're winning puck battles. They're, they're not shying away. I really like the way they played these last two games, especially and to some degree over the last uh, uh, nine when they've gone, what, seven, one, and one now. I said, and, and this is just me being lucky, not smart, because I really didn't look that closely who they were playing. 
and that it was possible because this has been a search for they've not played great teams, right? Right. Um, I said they needed to have an eight and two streak at some point soon to really get back in the playoff race. Well, beat Washington Tuesday. Here we are. And they've done it these three games without Crosby being a major contributor in the points department. He got the empty netter, but, you know, it was Lars Eller with two today. Um, it was Malkin and uh, Latang and Gensel really getting it done against Long Island. Like these three games, they haven't had to rely on Crosby doing it all. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gensel's played some really good games lately. It's going to be a shame to trade him. You're pretty sure that's what it's going to come down to? Like they're not going to be in it enough to keep him? Okay, this is just me, all right? If I am not in first or second place in the division when the, the, the deadline starts nearing, if I'm not feeling that I'm going to win a first-round playoff series, i got to trade him, even if I'm solidly in the playoffs. Because otherwise he walks and he will gain nothing. And I know Sid will wet his pants and, you know, the fans will be mad. But I think he's going to want like a seven- or eight-year contract, and I can't give him that. Like, if, if, let me tell you something that's really way out of left field, and I just thought of this right now. If I'm going to give somebody a seven- or eight-year contract, instead of giving it to Gensel for $8 million a year, I give it to Nylander from Toronto for $11 million a year. Why is that? He's a better player. He's a younger player. He's just better. He's not a lot younger, but he's a better player. He's not going to be as beaten down. How about the goalies? What did you think of those two over the past couple of games? I, I think less is more with both of them. I think they push each other. Like, I, I don't think either one can handle, like, a, a workload of 55 or 60 games. I think they've proven that. I think if Jari plays 45 and Ned plays 35, I think that's the best possible for both of them. Mark, appreciate it. Have yourself a good New Year. Do you have any New Year's resolutions for 2024 beyond just working three days a week? Well, I'm trying to look up William Nylander's age, and I just did. He's 27. Jake's 29. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and Jake's real good, but he's William Nylander at 27 is not near as beat up as Jake at 29. No, no New Year's resolutions, Tim. Uh, as we as we uh, go into Tuesday, New Year's Day's game against Newcastle for Liverpool, we are top of the league. Second place Arsenal just lost a crappy Fulham today. So uh, so things are looking up in that regard. And obviously that's my primary concern, that the Penguins getting into the playoffs. Although, hearkening back to what I just said about, you know, what you do with Jake, they're not going to win a Stanley Cup. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's, they're just not. And, and you have to, you have, at some point, you have to move past the old gang. I'm not looking forward to it. I hope they do win a Stanley Cup. But, but, you know, I just I just think when you haven't won a playoff since 2018, you have to just look at things uh, realistically. I, as we say this, it's about, what, three hours till midnight now, uh, maybe two. Um, and uh, I, I don't drink on New Year's Eve. I might have one drink, but I just it's amateur night. It's dangerous out there. I, I was thinking of going to, like, the bottle shop. I was going to go to the Lexus Club after the game at the, at the, um, at the PBG, PBG Banks yeah. Arena. But the, you know what's funny? You would think people would go there after the games because it's open to the public and let the traffic clear. It's a real nice place to have a drink, and it's very, really crowded. I've thought that myself. I mean, I know on a lot of nights where, and there aren't many of them, a Penguins game ends. If I do have nothing to do, I would like to do that. I just always have to work, but to me, like that's top of mind. I would sit and have one, let the traffic thin out, just relax, and 
sit around for another 45 minutes or something. Yeah, that's what I did last night. I, I went and got two vodka and Diet Cokes and just sat there and watched Staggy and Mets do their magic in the postgame. So it's like, it's like Elvis in the showroom. It's unbelievable. Mark Madden, we will do Madden Benz Unfiltered on the 2nd, on Tuesday. We're off for New Year's Day. Mark, appreciate you doing this on New Year's Eve, and have a happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Tim. All right, Madden Monday, here on Breakfast with Benz.